Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Universal Dialect Show. I'm your host, Chris Cypher777 Cabrera, and the bangers just keep coming. I have another great guest. Uh, he's a martial artist, former rapper, uh, ex-corrections officer, current law enforcement, and a paranormal experiencer. Welcome, my guest, Elliot Pacheco. How you doing, my man? How you doing? Happy birthday, by the way. Um, Thank you. I'm good, man. I can't complain. I'm ready to share what I've uh, experienced. And, you know, truth be told, this is my brother. Keep it real. Um, and I, was, I was wondering why you look familiar. <laughs> <laughs> um, you've experienced stuff from the military side, so I get to tell you from the law enforcement side. So I'm all right, ready all for right. questions. All right. So I, I said former rapper because we both used to rap. And... um you know, that's a title that many people, you know, throw on themselves. But we really were rappers. To me, you know, especially when you and I were coming up, it wasn't easy to do demos. I mean, and we we cut a demo. We at least got a demo. So that makes us rappers in my in my book. So um, did parties let's get too, it. So go ahead. What, what were you saying? <laughs> we did parties, too. So, I mean, yeah, yeah, it wasn't yeah. like we performed. We actually yeah, performed. We, right, right. <laughs> I remember those days. All right, so tell me the origin story of Mr. Pacheco, okay? Like where you were born, raised, you know what I'm saying? Um, and any don't leave no details out, you know. Pretty obviously similar to yours because we're brothers, but uh, born in the Bronx, uh, we lived in the Bronx till I was a young, I, I want to say two or maybe four years old. Uh, we moved to Astoria, Queens, which was a challenge. Um, racially, it was a challenge because we were Hispanics and the Greeks and the Italians were going to war with each other and they found a new target. So uh, we, we went there um, in 89. We moved to Kissimmee, Florida, when it was like a one horse town. Um, that was pretty interesting. Along that journey and that path, we've experienced stuff together and uh, apart. So we come at it from the different angles. Um, from Kissimmee, we, I moved to New, back to New York in 96, 97, where um, my, fam, my, other, my father's side of the family, because we have different fathers, um, they had a different uh, experience with stuff. And I've ex I started experiencing more on the ghost side of the fence or the demon side of the fence. Um, then from there, I stayed to New in New York until what, 2010. I moved to St. Louis, Missouri. And that was even a whole of, like UFO, everything. Other than that, the only thing I haven't seen is cryptids, everything else I've seen um, or have met people that have seen. And then I moved back to Florida about a year ago. So here we are. Like I've been everywhere in the United States. Uh, lived in Jersey for a little while too. So there's that. All right. All right. So so we're going to get into all the, you know, the crazy paranormal shit. But um, and I'm not saying this because you're my brother, but you're a very interesting person. There's layers to you and there's depth. Um, And I want to bring that out. So let's start with. The martial arts side. OK, so as you know, you and I grew up watching at 3 p.m. I think it was on Channel 9 W.O.R. No, it was at three o'clock. It was three all no, the way to channel like five six. though. It's channel five. Was it channel five? Yeah. What man. channel was that though? Was that W O R? Was that W P I X? That was Fox. That was Fox. That was Fox? I could have sworn that was it was before uh... Fox became Fox. 
Okay, so you you have a better memory than me. That's why I call you Rain Man. You know, everybody calls you got a way better <laughs> memory. You can recite shit. So yes, so you and I, we would watch the Shaw Brothers, uh, Golden Harvest, all the ill kung fu movies. And uh, yeah. just a, a quick little story though, I always ran into people that knew martial arts for whatever reason, um, and they would teach me little things here and there. But I'm not. I wasn't a martial artist. Like you and I, we had to street fight. You know, I mean, I don't have to really go into detail. Yeah, but later on, you got involved in martial arts when we moved to Florida, like legitimately. And so, what was your first martial art? Like, get into that. Taekwondo under um, uh, William Ergo, who was under yeah. YK Kim. YK Kim is um, they had a it was a terrible movie. They released this movie back in like I think it was like '88 uh, called the the Miami Connection, and William yep. Ergo was in it. Um, William Ergo. Uh, to this day, I think he, he he's he's a phenomenal martial artist. Um, the thing I like about Taekwondo, and the thing that limits it as well, is it's very kick oriented. So why uh, uh, Taekwondo guys can can kick? I mean, that's what they work on. That's their thing. They can kick from all kinds of weird angles. And um, after that, I started going to a church, and I met a guy by the name of Tony Little. No, not the Gazelle guy. Um, an- another martial artist and. But hold he on, don't into- don't get into that yet. Don't get into that yet because uh, okay, okay. Still, okay. still, I want to focus still on the Taekwondo because that was your first martial art. And normally, yes. when people say they take martial arts, they're really not good at it. And then you see them get into a fight and they get the ass whipping. You're like, man, what type of martial art is that? But I remember a fight you had, and you probably know what I'm talking <laughs> about, <laughs> with this kid named Andrew. And you whip that motherfucker's ass. <laughs> so that so that's when I knew, like, okay, my brother, he he he's a martial artist. Like that, like to me, if, if you can take what you've been taught and actually use it and successfully use it, you're a martial artist. So take me through not really the fight, but like like what 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 you learned from Taekwondo and martial art, just in general, it's your first martial art. It's different than fighting in the street. Somebody's teaching yeah. you something. What what did it teach you? What what did you learn? What did you get from that? The pros and cons of that. Of that martial art. Well, I, I, like I said, the, I'm just going to go into the con real quick because there's only real one con. The hand, the handwork on Taekwondo is not real good. But as you know, on my father's side, we had some boxers, so I had I knew the, the main three punches. You know, the jab, the cross, and the uppercut. So I implemented that. But when it came to Taekwondo itself, um, William Ergo would always put me up against bigger kids and I was a big kid but I'm talking about like farm fed corny and mofos and that generated I don't know if he I mean obviously he knows what he's doing I don't know if this was his thinking but that generated more accuracy in my kicks and more power and I was always very flexible it's not until now in my older age where my flexibility is crap um so that helped me out a lot too but I think also our street fighting the fact that we fought in the street, yeah, you still get scared when you fight, but the fear level is a lot less, so you could perform better. And that I played agree. later on into martial arts as well. I agree. So, and then I always I respected the discipline of it, you know, like I would go and there was times I didn't want to go, you know, but I would go and and even on the on a crappy day, it was good because you did, you know, sometimes you're the hammer and the nail, and even when you're the nail, you're still being refined. Right, right. How how far did you go with with Taekwondo? Only yellow belt, not too far, not too far. But that's and, amazing, right? A yellow belt right. can do that to somebody. Yeah, I mean, 
Yeah, but you always took things to the next level anyway. Plus, like you said, I'm, I'm pretty sure you combined Taekwondo with street fighting, and that's why a dude couldn't really touch you. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. But uh, what was I going to ask you about that? About that? Oh, did you ever get to do that one um thing where people have to attack you? I know uh, Ergo had to, had to do that, where people would a bunch of people would attack. Do you have to go? Did you have to go through that to get a belt no. or something? Like, what was the? No, no, it was you had to break the first one. You had a, a member. They call it a pumze. It's a form. It's like kata. It's a preset uh, thing of movements, which is the art in the martial art, right? That's the art that conceals the movements. And then um, we had to break a board, and then we had to spar. The sparring is what, like I said, sparring is the real thing that creates a good fighter. You know, it's almost like in law enforcement and military, you do, you drill, you do flow drills with your weapon and you move around. And that creates in real life, that creates the ability for you to draw and shoot and instinctually fight. So to me, it was the sparring of that. And then obviously having YK Kim himself sitting there at the table, grading your, you know, your belt test, which, you know, I think that, that I think that really, that made it better. Yeah, that's cool. You got to actually, did you get to talk to him at all or meet him or shake his hand? English is terrible. Um, yeah. I remember his commercial. He used to say, uh, break bad habits, car me now instead of call me now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> but, but he could, that dude was, he could jump, he could kick. I mean, he could generate, he weighed, he probably weighed like 130 pounds, but he would kick the bag and the bag would hit the ceiling. I mean, he just had power. So. Right. And did did you do did you do any tournaments? Did you get to travel at all? I don't remember if you. No, guys no, no, not for that. Not because we couldn't afford that. I mean, I wanted to, but we couldn't afford that. Oh, you know, so it pay. was an option, and we and mom we couldn't afford it. Right, I got couldn't you. Afford it. It was yeah, always an option. Yeah. All right. So then, okay. So let's get into the next the next stage of of your life. Okay. So you come to high school. We're together in high school. You join this church cult thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that that well, yeah, that's deep too. We might get into that, but um. Then uh, talk to me about Tony. How did you meet Tony? And were you already thinking Kung Fu at that time? Or did yeah. he tell you, oh, yo, your martial arts is weak? And then he, he's like, I'll teach you. <laughs> no, no. Um, Tony was studying the Bible and I saw this dude and he had a yin-yang shirt on. And um, he was, you know, Tony was ripped, man. I don't even remember him. Oh, I know. I shook his hand. He almost broke my hand. He wasn't even trying. <laughs> yeah, he was just strong in a weird way. He just looked weird. He just was. And you know what they say, when the student is ready, the teacher will appear. Right. So um, and, I and, met and, him. And not to, not to like, you know, you have to kind of emphasize it. This, this Tony Little is not an Asian dude. He's a person of color. Yes, yes. He's, a, he's, a, he's an African-American who, and I, I, I could get into his story real briefly. Go ahead. He was an, abu- he was an abused kid. Um, he was homeless, so he moved in with these Chinese people and worked at the Chinese restaurant. Like he's the only black dude at a Chinese restaurant. No and, fucking way! That's kind of like almost Enter the Dragon, like but not Enter yeah, the Dragon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um... <laughs> yeah. So he did a very rare, very rare form of kung fu. You, it's hard to find it. I mean, you could find what they call the combined five animal style, which is tiger, leopard, crane, and snake, and dragon. He was a snake system specialist. So this, and the style of snake he did was, it was weird. It was just 
like I would do it. People were like, what is that? I mean, you know, they've never seen, even people that did snake, they were like, never seen that. It was just a weird system. Did it have um, a name? He called it the Eastern snake style type or Damn. the yin style of Kung Fu. That was why his nickname was yin. Because yin is the softer side, it's internal. So it stresses development of uh, internal energy, soft movement versus that. Oh, it's very, very fluid, very smooth movement with point strikes on the body and just the ability to just whip around and coil around. And it was it was just a whole different animal. And then that lent very well over to uh, what you see in the movies, a drunken fist, because the footwork is the same. You know, in snake, you, you move, you, it's a staggering pattern. And in drunk, it's a staggering pattern. So you just, the, the footwork is very similar, very exaggerated footwork. And is that to throw the, the opponent off? Yeah, yeah. It, it throws them off and you're able to hit them from weird angles. So like he could hit you like this. He could hit you from here. He could hit you from here. And his movement was just, he was just very fluid, very fluid. And even like his forearm blocks hurt you. I remember that. I remember him like moving the snake. He would just do like that and hit your arm away, and it would just hurt. Like, man, so it was, it was like venom almost. It was. It's weird. It's just a weird thing, right? And 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 um, were you his only student, or did he have others? Uh, at first I was, and then he took on two more, three or four more actually. But they didn't really. It was just me and the other two. So he was like, I had five people. <laughs> but he 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 trained us. Um. And we all had different ways of expressing it. Uh, he liked my movement the best. He's like, you know, because the way it works is there were certain exercises we had to do. And I wasn't the best at the exercise part. But the movement, the way he's like, yo, the way you move, you move like I do. So, yeah. So, um, compare that to Taekwondo. Like, what's the, like, um, the difference? Uh, you know, there's obvious differences, but what's the difference? Like... You know I mean? would say circular versus straight. Snake is very circular. Taekwondo is very straightforward. Oh, oh, oh. They both have their strengths and their weaknesses, you know. Um, the weakness that Kung Fu has, a lot of people say, oh, it doesn't work. Because, you know, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a modern martial artist now. But it does work. It just takes very long time to get to practice that. You have to put your, like, it's like those, if you look at the old Kung Fu movies, they would exaggerate it, but you would see the training uh, what do they call that? Montage, where they're training and they're like doing brutal stuff to their body. Well, that's the tra- that's kung fu training. That's how it is. Like fingertip push ups on rocks and stuff like that. That's that stuff. That part of it is real. So right. it takes years and years and years and years to to master kung fu. Kung fu literally translates in English to hard work. Right. That's what it means. Not in a special name. It's kung fu, hard work or work hard. That's it. Right. So, in other words, it's not meant to make an immediate impact, and it's not really it's not really a combat style. It, it's 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 more of like a it's a combat style when you need it, but it's more of like a health thing, right? It's a combination of both, I would say. Um, but it worked. Also, it worked when everybody was doing. Kung Fu. But the advent of Western martial arts, you know, boxing and wrestling, things like that, that proved to be a bit of a, 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 you know, even with my fight with Andrew, yeah, I beat him. 
but it was there were some times where he would grab me and so I didn't and I didn't have an answer for those particular problems in a fight. Right. You know, what, like now it's jujitsu. Like if I had the jujitsu back then, it would have been a, it would have been a, a, a you know a one way fight totally. Right. He wouldn't have touched me at all. You know, right. but it's just it's just you know, it's the evolution. So and I, I like the snake fist, and I still watch the movies, and I still you know do some of the breathing. It helps. Right. So. Did you take any of your Taekwondo and bring it into your Kung Fu? No, only because, like I said, it's, it's very circular. Right. And the internal styles, like Tai Chi and all that, they, they emphasize breathing and slowing stuff down initially. And Taekwondo is very fast and very linear. It's boom, 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 boom. Right. It's, angles, it's angular, but linear. Whereas Snake is very fluid, and so is Drunken Fist. All right, so... Let's get into like mixed martial arts, which is another form that you, you know, another combat technique you took on. And and uh, Bruce Lee, right? You know, we always seen him do Kung Fu, but people didn't know that back then, you know, he was creating a style called Jeet Kune Do, which was essentially mixed martial arts. And even in one of his movies, he's wearing essentially like mixed martial arts gear and he winds up doing, you know, one of the techniques. Um so get into like that, like your, your like what got you into mixed martial arts from Kung Fu? Because you could have went and still did Kung Fu in, in New York when you moved to New York. I'm pretty sure there was oh, yeah. like a ton of, you know, oh, dojos, yeah. all those, you know. And I did. I, I trained at a few dojos, but I noticed, and just like in boxing, and even when I was doing Snake Fist, I always reverted to wrestling. And, um, you know, I trained with a lot of Greek guys in New York and everybody knows that Greeks wrestle. Like they, they learn wrestling from young, like that kid, John Mamadas, he knew how to wrestle. He wasn't just strong. He knew how to move his body on the ground. So talk about I John. Guess that, huh? John's a special person. Yeah. Special needs, but right. His movement on the ground was like knowing what I know now, he knew how to use his body. He knew how to use his weight. Because John didn't really weigh more than me. He just knew how to use his weight. He and he was strong. Body. And he was For strong, things. but he was strong in those wrestling angles because he had wrestled. So, and it's very strong in the Greek tradition to wrestle. It's very strong in the Russian, Greek, and Italian traditions. They have wrestling as, as their base and judo and things like that. So... I started noticing that a lot of the fights that I had or a lot of the training and the sparring, it got, it got tangled up. So it took me a while. I had to humble myself. And I said, let me, let me, then finally, let me see what this jujitsu stuff's about. And I delved into it. And at first I went into it from the angle, like you said, uh, mixed martial arts, or um, there was a school called combined martial arts. And I looked at them and I, I saw their grappling and I'm like, man, that, that, look, that stuff is, is, I could see how it works because you funnel a guy and you just like 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 a tarantula, you just you mang you hold him, you mangle him. So I got into jujitsu. I met my instructor, his name is uh Justin Garcia. Shout out to Master Chim and the Master Chim podcast. Um, that's my boy. Uh he opened up a school in the Bronx called the Jungle Gym. Um, he tremendous dude on my life, uh, a mentor, uh, taught me how to work out, taught me how to eat which I need to put back into practice. Um, he taught me a tremendous things. Taught me to believe in myself when I was, at, I was in a situation where I, my self-esteem was just, it was down. 
and um, jujitsu just it just took over my my life. So, all right. So go into it. Like, what did you do? Did you were because I know that you uh, were in competition. How long were you in competition? You know what I mean. Um, um, I did a few competitions, a few grapplers quests, a few uh, Nagas, which is North American Grappling Association. I did okay in those. Um, the the thing I'm proud of the most is um, there's a huge tournament called Abu Dhabi. It is the World Series of No Gi Jiu Jitsu. Like the best of the best compete there, and I was able to win the amateur side of that tournament. I got third place, and to me, that medal is more is better than any of my first place medals ever because it was just the competition was just really really ridiculous um i remember watching justin lose one of the matches and he just looked broken and i remember like i've never really been good at motivating for me but i motivate for others so i saw him broken i was like man i can't lose this fight i can't lose this match and i, I armbarred the guy like like that it was just like, it just, you know, it's that side of me. I got, I got that side of me that comes out every so often. I was able to defeat the guy and just, I got third, man. I was able to hold off the other two guys. And so that particular tournament is, is what, to this day, I have that medal. I mean, he's the world to me. All right, so, so And then some of the MMA stuff I did, that was mainly, that was like underground stuff because MMA in New York City was not really a, uh, wasn't allowed. And I did that stuff after I left Jungle Gym, um, which, you know, him and I had a little bit of a falling out. It was just stupid. We're good now, but I did some of those. So it's not official. It's more amateur-ish, I guess you would say. But I do have experience, and I have experience training fighters. Um, I've trained with some UFC fighters, some of the names you know I've trained with. Go ahead. Um, what are the names? Uh, we did some training with Frankie Edgar. Uh I did some training with a jiu-jitsu guy named Margarita uh, Pontes, uh, Marcelo Garcia, who's a uh, who's arguably one of the best grapplers on God's earth. Who else? Uh, David Branch would come by every so often. David Branch fought in the UFC a few times. Um, when I moved to St. Louis, I trained with a guy named Alp Ozkillik. He was a UFC fighter. Uh, Josh Sample was a UFC fighter. Matt Ricehouse was a strike force fighter. Tyron Woodley would come over and train and destroy us. He was, you know, that's a very popular name you probably know who he is so there's quite a few guys um kenny florian would come and train with us he was a, he was one of the he was one of the first ultimate fighters so uh you know who uh he got second place in the competition against diego sanchez um quite a few king of the cage fighters uh we trained with done some tournament and done some uh, not tournaments some seminars with guys who are just phenomenal so i got some great experiences um as a as a martial artist, I'm humble with it. I ain't, I know I ain't the best, nowhere near it. But uh, yeah, I've had some great experiences with these guys, and they're they're, they're a whole other animal, man. So in so. in order to like, did you have to like actually wrestle with them, spar with them in order to learn something? And and what what would you say you learned from from some of those sparring sessions? Just um, what is the saying? There's levels to this shit. Yeah. <laughs> there's levels um the 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 wackest ufc fighter will beat the dog crap out of majority of population it's just it's just there's levels there's levels to it you know these guys it's a mindset it's it's 
it's movement, it's subconscious. There's a spiritual component to it, which I can't put my finger on. Like, there's guys who just know where you're going to be before you're there. And it's just, it's, it's, it's insane. It's the art of the martial arts. It's that, it's that flow. It's that yin yang. It's circular. It's the angles. It's like a dog fight. It's, it's ridiculous. So, uh, from that guy, Margarita, man, I learned just strength does matter. Technique's great, but it's right. good to have strength as well. Um, from Marcelo Garcia, I learned that sometimes relaxing is good. Um, who else did I mention? Frankie Edgar was just an animal. I didn't get to roll with him, but I was training with him. He was over there. I was over, you know, I watched him and he looked like a little, like an ant. Josh and Al, those guys as well. Um, Matt Rice House was a very cerebral fighter. Um, watching him train was amazing. So, uh, oh, and uh, Kenny Florian, I think he weighs maybe like 160, 170. That dude felt like a thousand pounds. His mount game was ridiculous. Like he, he would hook into your legs and just pound you, man. I mean, it was a wrap. Nothing I could do. And I was bigger than him. So, right. Right. So, compared all, now you're in three martial arts. So, compare and contrast all three. Like, what did you, what did you overall, what type of person did that make you? in the end because i know you still you still study and you're gonna go back what what it does for me especially now in my older age in my 40s it gives me respect and it makes me less like i i don't have nothing to prove i don't want to go out there and fight everybody i don't want to go out there and be like i avoid it like the plague because i know either way no matter who you are you're going to get hurt in a fight. You're going to get hurt in a fight. Also, what it does is it, 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 it tells me that I can survive anything. You know, I've been, I've been, you know, injured and, and I've had broken bones and, and broken nose. And it, it, no matter what you go through in life, you can survive. You can survive. Plus in our childhood. Right. <laughs> Need I say more? <laughs> so right. you know, that that's what it does for me it just it gives me hope it gives me it gives me something to teach the next generation you know because they don't have you know right now they don't really have a, a a strong base in anything discipline so i think it, it helps them out as well do you think that maybe one day you will wind up teaching well, I mean, I, I kind of do now. I, I want to combine some stuff. I want, you know, I got plans to do that. Yeah, eventually I, I want to go back to teaching. Because remember, I, I used to teach kids and I taught some adult classes. So, um, yeah, definitely. I love it. It's my passion. I love to impart knowledge onto people and put it in a way they can digest it. Not throw big words at everybody. Gotcha. College words, I like to say. Well, I mean, you you can do that, though. <laughs> you got the vocabulary. So let's get into your career a little bit. Um, before we get into like what you what you do now, um, I remember a, a stint. This is when you got to New York. Uh, you started doing um IT. So what got you into IT? Because we're techies, you know what I mean. Money, you know, money, just <laughs> hey, what, hey, money, whatever it works. Money, right. money. Because um, when I went to New York. I learned how to do telecom, pull wires and punch down cat five cables and uh, install phone systems. 
And Microsoft just started doing, uh, they called it the MCSE program, which is the Microsoft Certified Systems Engineer. Microsoft was starting to take over. Before Microsoft, it was Novell. Novell was a company that did networking. So most companies had Novell. And it was just a terrible platform back in the day. It was just people just didn't, couldn't use it. You had Unix and Linux. And if you guys don't understand this stuff, just Google it. I, I, the, the podcast will be 20 hours if I went into all this. Well, but, give me brief. Give me just real brief. Unix and, and Linux. Real Unix brief. and Linux are open source, meaning that people develop them. Um, most forms of Linux and Unix are free. There are some you pay for um, versus Microsoft. Microsoft's closed source. Microsoft has their own development. And once they develop it, that's it. You can't add to it. You can't take away from it. It's their way. That's it. So when Microsoft started coming out, they were paying people with one certificate, 40000 a year, 1995, 96, 97. If you had the full MCSE, you were making 70 to 100 grand. So I was like, I already know the physical networking stuff. Like I know where the cables go. I know where the, it goes to the router. It goes to the patch panel. It goes to the hub. It goes to this. The data does this. It does that. I learned, uh, you know, I learned how to administer those networks. I learned how to deal with the customer side when they, you know, screw up stuff. And that was how I got into IT. It was on Wall Street mainly. Okay, so I, I don't want to delve into the uh, paranormal yet, but there is a story, paranormal, I think you told me when you were laying down some wires. Do you remember that? No, no, but I've, I've oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I know what you're talking about. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Tell, tell the story, <laughs> man. Oh, all right. So my whole life I've been able to sense more than see. Like I got people, in my, I've seen stuff, but I got people in my family that see more than I see but I'm able to feel stuff. So I worked for a company that uh, we would do high profile celebrity uh, phone installations. So this is, this is not even, well, I was laying wire that day and the telephone company comes in, they bring the wire in and they, this is where they stop. They stop right here. This is the house. They stop right here. My job was to take our wires and connect it to theirs so that we have a signal and bring it down to the basement of this school building. This was going to be a schoolhouse for underprivileged kids, which is awesome. Our company at the time, I'm not going to give names. Um, they ended up doing it just for the, just for the materials. We said, okay, we'll do a few, but you just pay for the materials. Cool. But basically for free. So I'm running wires into this weird basement and I feel this chill tremendous chill and I'm by myself down here and I'm like I just feel uneasy I feel like I'm being watched and finally I hear somebody come down the stairs and it's the, the curator the main guy who's going to run the school real nice guy and he goes you got the gift I don't know, I'm in tech mode right like, what are you talking about a gift man you got, you got me something you got no the, you got the glow <laughs> like, you got the gift you got the shining or whatever he's like you got the you're clairsentient. And I'm like, what does that mean? He goes, you can feel stuff, right? I say, man, honestly, yeah, I felt something down here, man. He's like, yeah, this used to be a morgue. <laughs> oh, shit, man. <laughs> yeah, so I felt something. Like, I, it, it, it was, it was, it was, it was, a, it's that weird chill, man. It's, you know what I'm talking about. Some of you guys out there know what I'm talking about. It's not cold. It's just a, 
It, it's a type of cold, but it's not cold. Well, it's that chill that runs runs down your back. Oh man, your hair stands up when I had hair. So. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so so before you before you break out to Missouri, you're living with uh, you're living with your aunt, I believe. Am, am I wrong? Well, you were living with Julie initially, right? When, I lived when you with my when, sister. Right. Were there any any? Because I know she had that one basement in that apartment that was I sensed shit in that basement where she used to store her stuff. Nothing really. My sister's ex girlfriend's she's tossed or something one time, but I wasn't there for that. Um, I'm sure it was because that was a very old building. I didn't feel anything there. I was only there for a few months, and then I moved to Jersey with my aunt, and then from Jersey, I moved to my apartment but in jersey that house that that was uh that we lived in, in jersey that's the most experience that i've ever had in my life so go ahead go into go into as many as you possibly can man anything you can remember i i can i can share i can share let me share two events okay martial arts i was in deep meditation one day and i felt a presence again and i heard noises and I swear to you, I turn around and I used to have this thing called a wheel. If you guys Google this, a Chinese ab wheel. It's those wheels that you roll out for your, for your, for your core. I know I see Jackie Chan uses that a lot. Yeah, a lot, a lot of people do. A lot of people do. Um, it, was, it ended up being in my cousin's room across the hall. And then when I came back, I grabbed it. I came back. The doors were opening and shutting the, the drawers. That was the most intense experience I've ever had because it wasn't just seeing a shadow or something in front of me that you could say, oh, you're seeing things. No, this was a this was a visual and an auditory experience because you could hear the, door, the drawers opening and shutting and you see them in, in different configurations. And I was like, I'm out <laughs> downstairs. Another experience I had was with my cousin. Um. We were sitting in which, the kitchen. Which cousin? Natalie? Cousin Carol. Okay. This was Natalie's former house. Okay. And Carol had a boyfriend who's now her husband. Married many years. Um, he came over. He didn't believe us. We'd tell him stuff because we, we experienced so much in that place. And my aunt would come home at 5 o'clock. This is 3 o'clock. We'd be eating. There was a microwave. And I don't know if you remember, the old microwaves had a big glass in the front. It was all right. glass. There was no fancy colors and nothing. It was just a big glass. So essentially, it was a mirror. So my cousin's boyfriend goes, hi, Carmen. That's my that's my aunt's name, my cousin's mom. And we're like, she's not here yet. Yeah, I just saw her go into the room. We went into the room. Nobody was there. So he finally had that experience with us where he saw an apparition walking and he saw it, it, I guess, it cast a reflection on the microwave. But we didn't see it because it wasn't casting a, a, a reflection. Oh, in so he saw plane. the reflection through the microwave. The reflection through the microwave, man. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, it, it, it's 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 definitely, uh, uh, you know, that house was that house was haunted. And um, the, the thing that made it worse was my cousin played Ouija board, so. Yeah, that's not good. <laughs> and it opens up more, you know, because it's intention, you know. And even worse, when my aunt destroyed the first Ouija board, 
she made she made one, and that's even worse because you put intention and you create. She created a Ouija board. What was well, what? Why was she doing that? No, we, we've always been, you know, like our side, their side. They've, we've always been intrigued with stuff because most of us, except for Natalie, Nat, I don't think Natalie's ever had an experience. But most of us have had experiences in that place or in other places. So, I mean, I, we've, you know, we've had so many. This podcast would be 20 hours long if we went through all of our stuff we've dealt with and we've experienced. Well, just keep going. I don't give a damn. <laughs> Listen, do me a favor. This is one. I was going to say this for later, but I can't because. Uh, no, go ahead, man. Whatever you want. Because this, this is kind of not in the timeline, but this is before. You moved in all this before we moved to Florida. But I remember you coming home. This is after you visiting your dad. This is when your dad was alive. R.I.P. Um, William Pacheco. Um, you had come home and you had told me that your two of your cousins and your aunt had some beings or people in uh, their apartment or house. Do you know what the... Clarify okay. that for me. This, Tell this, me what this you is know. The, this is the story I was told. Okay. My uncle was a Lance Corporal in the Marine Corps. Rest in peace to him as well. R.I.P. Um, you know, uh, infantry guy, just a gun ho crazy man. My cousin Felix, who looks like he could be my twin brother, was born in uh, North Carolina. I think it was Camp Lejeune. They had a cabin in the woods. That's where they lived. They lived off base in a cabin in the woods. My Aunt Edith, who's also passed away, who's uh, my cousin's mother and was a very beautiful soul. Um, and she looked like mom, too, which is weird. Um, she ended up saying that there was aliens in her house. And that's all I know. There was a craft above the, above the, uh, the uh, cabin, and there was small beings in the house. That's all I got from that story. And then my aunts tried to play it off because they would always try to play off the paranormal stuff until it got intense and then you would see the fear in their face and you knew that they were really experiencing it and trying to be strong for the kids. But that was that was the story that I got. And um, we've always, you and I have always been into UFOs, but we didn't know anything about Whitney Strieber. My cousin Felix is the reason why we know about Whitney Strieber because he gave me the book that we both read not communion, the second book, Transformation. Right. I bought that home. You read that. Right. And then I read that. Right. So yeah, that that was that was he was always into that because of that story. He got into UFOs. Right. Well, communion, I don't know how you feel about that picture of that alien, but it's very to me, very familiar and very unsettling. Um something about that picture really throws me off. I don't like that picture. Yeah. Yeah, I mean I don't it's, it's not familiar to me. That's not to say that nothing's ever happened. I don't know. I'm not 100%, but um no, it's not familiar to me, but it is unsettling. It's very alien. I mean it right. looks doesn't look like doesn't it doesn't look like anything that we know. But we yet we have a night we like we know it's not good. Right. There there's a an incident in the Bronx. You remember it one way and I remember it differently, but we both 
remember something happening in the room. You saw lights. I saw beings. Can, can you tell me your side? Do you remember your, because you were a baby. So maybe you don't remember too much of it. What do you remember? I don't remember the, I don't remember the Bronx version of that. I do remember in Queens seeing the lights too. Because when I was, I remember you guys could stay up till 11, I think it was. I had to go to bed by nine because I was younger, right? To go to school. And anytime you guys would like, there'd be a cool movie and it would go, it would go to like 11 because that was when the news started, right? And I would just start the movie and then I had to go to bed. I was always pissed off. Like, damn, I can't watch this movie. So um, I ended up going to the room and I remember one night and it looked like the only way I could describe the lights, it looked like the lifesaver candies, multiple colors, and they were floating around the room. And I was just hip, I, I was hypnotized by the lights just floating. And I felt the presence of like, calm down. It's okay. Stay calm. Like, I felt that in my heart. I didn't hear it, but I felt it. It was something telling me to stay calm. It's okay. And anytime I would have those experiences, I was out with the light. Mm. And some days I'd wake up in the living room. Dude, that's the same shit that would happen to me. Very similar. Um, would that was that the 2016 18th Street apartment? Or was yes. that the that was okay? That was the last place we lived. In a story the last place we, we lived, and I, I would wake up there, or I would wake up because that was when Julie would sometimes she'd spend the night at her at her at her friend's house. Sometimes I'd wake up, and my shirt would be on backwards. Right. I don't know. I don't right. know. Yeah that 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 apartment that area was was weird. Do you remember? Um, do you remember when we first moved in, and that night? Somebody tried to break. Do you remember that when somebody tried to break into our house? I remember coming. It was me and mom one day. And we come home. Well, don't tell that story yet. Don't tell that story yet. Because this is what this is. (laughs) that. We had moved in because that that housing area was 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 kind of not new. It was refurbished. That whole area. There were projects. There were projects, but it, it started at Shore Boulevard and I think it extended to like 20th Avenue, I think, or something a like that. A bunch of buildings. like Right. Section 8. Like Co-op City. Section, it looked like Co-op City. It looked like Co-op City, but three stories instead of like, you know, 10 <laughs> plus stories, right? Um. So when we moved there, I believe I overheard mom say that we were one family living in our section and the next family lived maybe six, seven buildings down. That's how, like, new it was. So, yes. so there was two families, and they hadn't finished putting lights in the streets yet or or on the buildings yet. So mom always made it a point that we were all home inside by, like, 6 p.m. before it got dark because it would be essentially pitch black, right? So... Not to go into too much detail about how the building, the layout is, because it just take too long. But we had a, we were on the second floor, so we had a fire escape, and any floor uh, above the first floor always had a fire escape that was attached to another fire escape, to another fire escape, to another fire escape, and they were connected with 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 stairs. And then you had a yes. ladder, the ladder you had a ladder that would extend all the way down. So once Look you got to the, 
Right. You adjust the hook and it fell down and then you would have to crawl down. Unfortunately, or fortunately, depending on how you look at it, the roof was really close to the to the to the the third floor fire escape. So you didn't have to do much to climb over the fence of the roof and jump down into the fire escape. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that was. Yeah. We used to jump from roof to roof, fire escape right. to fire escape. Right. Yeah. And then you can go down. And if somebody left their window open and you were a bad person, you can go in. So anyway. I remember this one night. This is during winter, and the reason why I know for a fact is because we had those old school heaters that you know would turn red, but you had to watch it because if it fell on the space floor, heater, we, yeah, we had a space yeah, heater. it would set the house on fire or the apartment on fire. So I remember us having that. It's late at night. Uh, we didn't have our beds yet in our room, and Mom didn't have hers, so we slept on a on a sofa bed. All of us, me, you, Julie, and Mom. But Mom was up watching TV. And Julie was passed out. I was passed out. You were passed out. And I remember mom nudging Julie. And by nudging Julie, she woke me up too. And she's telling Julie, don't make a sound. I just want you to like listen. And then Julie's like, what? Like she's like half asleep. She's like, I just want you to listen. What do you hear? What you heard, what you're describing now happened to me at Yoli's house. Go ahead. continue. Okay. So Julie's like, I hear a noise, but I don't know what it is. And then mom tells her somebody's trying to open the door. They're messing with the doorknob. Yo, so mom, you know, mom's tough as fuck. <laughs> I mean, let's just call it what it is. Mom is tough as fuck. Um, I mean, she's scared of some things, but like. I would I mean, say she was. <laughs> but she's tough as fuck. So she literally is like, who's there? Stop fucking around. You know, she. And the person's still trying to mess with with the door handle. And then ultimately, she winds up calling the cops. And the cops kind of tell her, you know, it, it, you shouldn't be here. You know, you're a single mom. You know, it's pitch black. You know what I mean? Um, And, you know, you're by yourself, you know. But I remember that. Go ahead. Tell me the Yoli story. Think- Who's Yoli, too? Come on. She's very important in our lives. So you got to tell Yoli is our neighbor. Uh- Downstairs. Downstairs neighbor who they moved in, I want to say a couple weeks after that event. They moved in, and then our neighbor next door moved in, and we got roaches from them, by the way. And then our neighbor upstairs moved in. So Yoli, we would sleep over at Yoli's house because her son, Numar, who's shout out to Numar. Uh, Numar, yeah, one, one of my best friends in the world. Um, we would spend the night. He had cool toys, and he was just really cool. We just had a great time with him. And we stole and his I toys. Stuck in, I stuck, yeah. <laughs> Sorry, Numar. Let's be real, Numar. Come on, don't get mad at us. You know we stole your toys, damn it. Go ahead, go so, ahead, brother. I'm sorry. <laughs> but uh, they would put me in the living room to sleep, and one day somebody was literally trying to get into the house. Man, I remember being—that's the first time in my life that I was frozen in fear, like. Like, I couldn't move. I wanted to move, and I could not move. And it finally, they gave up because Yoli was smart. Yoli did something that you weren't supposed to do in those buildings. She put another one of those bar things that go across. She, she jammed that mug in there, man. It, you weren't breaking it. You had to have a, a firefighter's uh, battering ram to get through that. So, and she lived on the first floor, so there was no fire escape. It was just, you have to come into the window and break it. And, cause noise and all that. Back then, criminals, they weren't as brazen as they are now. So, but yeah, I remember that. So, yeah, I mean, but that, at that the area. same, yeah, at the same time, though, remember, they, you, you couldn't, 
this is what I don't understand. Uh, you couldn't escape that apartment, even if you wanted to, because they put those bars on the window. Remember? They eventually did. Yeah, that was that was like an '88. They did that. I yeah, remember they, that was before we moved. That because made, some kid know, fell out of the window. Right. It, it's made no sense, but um. So, th- so was I there? Was I sleeping in another room or something? Or it was just you there? I don't know if you were there or not. I just remember it being a sleepover night. And I was scared. Like, I was crying. I was scared. And I just remember. And I don't know, man, because one thing I've, I've, I've realized with the whole alien thing is... For some reason, these 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 creatures, whatever you want to call them, all of them, the majority of them that people are experiencing now, they feed off of fear. It's like something, it's like they, they live in a fear-induced world. So who knows? Maybe it wasn't a human trying to open the door. You know, maybe it was something just because we've had experiences at that apartment. Yeah, that that whole neighborhood. There was something about it. Like, you know, we got chased by, you know, me, you, Numar, um, Ezekiel. We got, and and who else was it? There was somebody else that was with us, I think. No, I think it was just us. You think it was just us? Yeah, we got chased by somebody in a white van, like a stereotypical white van. I remember it being a blue, a blue car. You said a blue car? A blue, like a blue Nova or something like that. And the guy had, he looked like that serial I showed you. Younger guy, but he had the little sideburns, right? And mustache. Yeah, I don't know why I remember the van. You you got better memory, so yeah, it probably was a a, a blue Nova. But I remember, yeah, he he it's tried a to grab killer van neighborhood. Yeah, he, he tried to grab Ezekiel, <laughs> and I and I snatched him before I snatched Ezekiel before the guy can grab him, and then the chase was on. And luckily, we knew the neighborhood where we can jump and. Hop fences and yeah, get we to were fences to go through, or basements yeah. to go through. Yeah, yeah. We, we were we were gone, man. And then we hit in Yoli's house. Shape. Yep, because well, we had the key. Yep, we had the key to her house. I remember that. But yeah, All I right. mean, we've had some experiences there, some paranormal stuff too, man. You know, we've had a lot of paranormal experiences in that apartment. Yeah, what you remember the? Okay, so I cut you off the last time. I'm sorry, but you were talking about the 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 hand. Let's talk about that. <laughs> I remember you and I were playing. Okay, and... so paint. The, so tell me if I'm wrong. I'm gonna paint the picture for you, and then you jump in, okay? Because I, I kind of want. I like context, okay? Mom had gone somewhere, I think Santos. with Santos, and left us. Like trusted that we would be good alone in in the apartment. This Go ahead. Was Julie, Julie again was working, and this is the tail end of my sister living with us. Who's Julie? That's why I say Julie is my sister. Shout out um, to my sister. I love you, Julie. <laughs> so she would, I remember this was one of the times that the amplifier got stolen off the roof. And for those of you who are not, uh, who have digital in your life now, if back in the day when the television, when the, the amplifier was stolen off the building, you couldn't watch TV. It was snow. So and that thing was whoever stole that made hundred thousand dollars because that thing was expensive as all hell. So we had no TV. I think I know who stole it though. By the way, a lot of crackheads. So well, no, I, I think it was John's brother, George. Oh, 
man. He was rich. So we uh, ended up like play hide and seek and run around. And I remember we played like fort and we'd make like a fort. And we had this blanket. I just I didn't I don't know why I got to go into this detail, but I just remember the blanket very detailed. Go. go it was for an it. orange and yellow blanket, and it had like these triangular patterns on it. And we threw it over our heads. It was a quilt. Like that was the fort. And this hand scratched the outside. And I remember the fingers being real long and black. Through you could see it through. And I was I almost peed my pants. And you were thought it was me. And I thought it was you. And then we looked and our hands were inside. And whatever it was, it it it, it disturbed the the pattern of the blanket. I remember us like staying in there until we felt secure enough to come out. We came out, nothing was there. Right. And I remember, I, I remember turning on all the lights in the like whole all the doors, everything was yeah. locked. Yep. And then we got and in again, trouble that, because we were supposed to be asleep by the time they got home. That was the deal. But we got in trouble. But yeah, yeah, that was, I remember that. That was bananas. That, yeah, that apartment. Talk about that right now, bro. I got, I got Dude, what, what, the, the closet that we used to use to, to, barrier the, the door there was something up with that closet man I don't know I never had experiences with that closet um again though like I said that room was the room where the lights would appear you know um and it, it happened on multiple occasions they're like little halos little color halos floating around but I, I remember that I remember those experiences. So I knew there was something else. There was another level to this. It wasn't just what we see or what we hear. And I think that when you're a kid, you're closer to the afterlife. And when you're older, you're closer to the afterlife. So I think that's when you really, really see more. When right. you're at this mid-level range, you don't see as much. Right. When you're a kid, I think that that there's not the veil isn't covering as much and not only that i feel like your pineal gland is more active as a kid and it calcifies yeah. as you get older you know what i mean yeah, yeah it's right. it's crazy man that stuff we've experienced but yeah so so that that covers most of like the queen stuff so let's get back to like after jersey and then you move in with another one of your aunts in uh in, in bronx i believe was it fish ave you lived Got an apartment, a basement apartment that she rented. Right. And what, what, other than the, our experience together there, were there things happening before that? I had one experience, and I've seen this twice. A woman was standing over me, hmm. and she was like an outline of a person. Hmm. Not a black, I've seen that too, the shrouded person, but just like if you look at me, Picture me in a pencil, drawn as a pencil, but with no detail on my face, barely any detail. You know, there's eyes, you know, there's a nose, you know, there's a mouth. Like a sketch? And I woke up because I felt that presence, that cold was intense. And I sat up and looked over at her, and she folded like this and went under the bed. What the fuck? And I was like, no. I, but see, that, I don't know, because again, I was half asleep, so is my mind playing tricks on me again? But then again, I have to go back and say, hey, I did experience stuff when I was awake. So I've had experiences like that. And I've seen her twice. 
So so when you're doing so this was you're in IT at this time. Yes. Okay. Were there like at going to jobs, were there any experiences like at workplaces, going to No, other than that one, no. There wasn't. Other than that one, there really wasn't. Um and I mean, even in the morgue, because I worked at a hospital at one point doing IT, even in the morgue, there wasn't really, uh, uh, there was some energy there, but it wasn't, but it was, it just, it became something, after a while, it, it went from places to me. So it didn't matter where I went at some point. Sometimes I would go somewhere and experience something in a place that was sterile, I would call it, you know, where you didn't have any there's no reason to experience anything. It's just because it's whatever it is is attracted to you. Right. It's attached. To and you. then we had our experience where you were there and you saw something. Right. But before we get into that, right. Okay. So, cause this is where like, again, shows how interesting life can be, particularly our lives. Right. And the attachments that happen. Yeah. You again, working it got interviewed at the Twin Towers. Oh, man. And you had told me after one of your interviews, this is before the incident, and this is before you didn't take the job, but you had told me that you found it weird that when you went to the interview, there were no guards there when there normally would be guards. So get into that. Get into what happened and all of this, and then you know we'll go from there. Yeah, I found, I mean, and, and I'm not, I'm not saying because I don't know what happened on that day, you know, 9-11 or whatever. I'm not going to sit here and be like, oh, it didn't happen. I'm not a denier or anything like that. I just remember going into the building. It was a, a, a corporation. I'm not going to go into the name, but it was a financial services corporation. And it was on the 103rd floor of Tower 2. I went in and it was just, the security was just very laxed. And this was, mind you, um, this was July of 2001. That's how close we are, okay? Two short months away, not even, this is the end of July. So like a month, maybe like five weeks, six weeks. Right. And then not only that, you got to think about it. You're saying security's laxed, but there was an already a previous attack years before. Unsuccessful. 93. 93. Okay, so go ahead. I remember going into the building. I go and I interview with the guy. I, I didn't get a sense that he was a good fit. The money was ridiculous in comparison to, and that same day I had an interview at a hospital closer to me. And I said, you know what? I'm going to go for peace of mind this time. And I'm going to go work at this hospital. But during the interview at the world trade, um, he took me upstairs and it was a great interview. The guy, I mean, he was a great guy. I just didn't, I, I don't know. I just didn't feel connection and um two weeks later or six weeks later that guy ended up passing away oh so you know for sure that he didn't make it that particular guy yeah he's gone he's on the he's on the uh on the uh memorial so what so, what what you just it was an instinct that you went more with peace of mind or you had like a sense or i had a sense that him and i just weren't gonna really get along I got gotcha. you. That's what it was. But I remember um, one of my aunts was angry at me. She was like, you could have been financially set. I was 23, 24 years old. And they were, they were talking about paying 70000 a year, which 
for someone that ain't, that would have been a life-changing experience. That would have been life-changing money. Um, but I just didn't like the guy. I liked him, but I didn't. Like, as a boss, like, I just, something that just the way he carried himself. It wasn't like I felt danger or anything like that. But um, I remember calling the guy who set up my interview a couple of days after 9-11. He was alive, and I talked to him, and that was when he told me that the gentleman, the actual interviewer, was was expired no longer with right. so do you remember where you were when 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 everything went down the hospital yeah and uh one of the guys told me that a plane crashed into the world trade center and i thought it was a cessna you know someone's like oh a plane i'm not, I'm not thinking of uh, a passenger jet i'm thinking oh somebody crashed i'm like oh man that sucks people died you know oh, they're gonna have to repair that and then they brought the TV down and we watched and it was like, we shut down, everything shut down. They got called you on your base, like you at your base and I heard the air siren going off yeah. and I heard jets scrambling from yeah. Nellis and I was yep. like, oh man, this is yeah, something's I, up. Dude, I, that was supposed to be my day off. Elaine was here in Florida and, you know, <laughs> you know, I had just, not just, but you know, I had my PC, and that's when it's hooked up to the telephone line and all that. So that night, I stayed up mad late downloading. I was on Napster downloading music, you know, illegally. Yeah. <laughs> I was on all that. Yeah, man. And so, like, I was passed out, and I just remember, like, the phone ringing, ringing and ringing. And I'm like, God, I want to fucking sleep. And then something was like, get up. So I get up, pick up the phone, and it's a friend of the fa- of our family. You know, her name is Amanda. I, I served with her husband and it's her telling me, turn the fucking TV on. I'm like, why? She's like, turn the TV on. I turn it on. The The first plane already had hit. But as soon as I turn it on and I'm seeing the, the ticker on the bottom saying one plane hits the tower, blah, blah, blah. I see that second one and I knew right away. I was like, yeah, I got to get my A bag ready. <laughs> I'm probably going overseas. You know what I mean? And that's when, yeah, shit hit the fan. And then you called me and luckily got through because nobody could really get through. Elaine couldn't really talk, couldn't get a hold of me because the lines were all tied up and everything. And, you know, as you know, there was other attacks. You know, it wasn't just the world trade, you know. But, yeah, that that shit was crazy. So um, after that. saw that second plane hit. Yeah. We went to the top of the building, of one of the buildings in the hospital. And yeah. you could see the, the, the twi- they were small. But you, I saw the flames shoot out the other one. I was like, I was like. Wow, you saw that live, huh? It looked like a little, I mean, you know, it's like when you watch the shuttle from far away. Right. It was, it was, it was, and I, I, I had, I was like, is there an explosion? And then when we came back downstairs, that was when I called you, but I watched it on TV and I'm like, that was another plane hit. It's like, this is not, the first one, that could be an accident. Right. The second one, I was like. And I knew it was Bin Laden. I was like, because I remember a month before that, they had an interview with Bin Laden. They went to the his caves and they interviewed him. And he says, I got something big planned for y'all. And <laughs> I was like, that's Bin yeah. Laden, man. That's the only person you could be. You know? You, know what's, you know what's funny? You're wearing a New York Yankees shirt. Uh, the Yankees used to have this guy. I don't know if you remember him. He's not. He, does, he doesn't play baseball anymore. I don't even think so. Um, Dylan Betances. Yeah, yeah. He used to close. Just retired like like two days ago. Right. He was in high school in New York. I think he was living in Washington Heights. He said that he went to the roof of the school and saw saw it happen. 
it, yeah, it was, it was, it was, it was, and then you know, I was uh, gonna, I was gonna join the military, and you talked me out of it because I was like ready to. I was online. I remember I called you. That was when cell phones were first coming out. I called you, and I'm like, I'm on the line at the Marine Corps recruit. I'm ready to go. And you were like, don't do it because you weren't sure if you were going to go overseas or not. And you didn't want mom to lose two sons if it had gotten to that point. And I know a lot of guys who did what you did in the Air Force, they actually fought in combat. It wasn't, they weren't guarding the air base. They were out there, you know. Right. Yeah, I knew people, I knew people that left and didn't come back. But um, I also found out through the grapevine that some things that, that, didn't sit well with me and that's the reason why I didn't want you to join because I felt like you would have you would have tried to give your life for nothing essentially I hate saying it like that because you know what I mean like this you know I love this country but there's forces at work as you know when we will get into that but there's forces at work and I I knew some things and if you would have joined you would essentially be you know giving your life for nothing and it just wasn't fodder cannon fodder so um, tell me your recollection because uh, I went on vacation. This is after nine eleven, maybe like like two months, like right around Christmas. Uh, to to your to New York to hang out with you and Julie and, and you know my sister, and I wound up staying with you. So do you remember what happened that one that that one night I stayed with you? I remember what you told me, and I remember what happened. So. It's of of uh, it's weird that we both have sleep apnea, right? Um, so, and I must have had it for a long time. So there were nights I would wake up feeling like I was choking. But that night I felt, I felt into a deep sleep, man. It was just un, uncharacteristically deep. Um, but you know, I hadn't seen you in years and you came and you stayed the night with me. And I remember being knocked out and I heard, holy shit. And I heard a thump and I looked, I got up and I looked and you were like in the bathroom. And I'm like, you all right, man? Did you see a water bug or something? You're like, no, there was something choking and standing over you. It was like a shadow person. And you said it stood up, looked at you and disappeared. So... And it's funny. I mean, I want to get into that thing because I found out about that thing later on. But yeah, that's what I remember. And I, I know you you told me that you saw something that was a shadow choking me. Yeah. Or on top of me or something. It was it was like hunched over you. I didn't see like if it had its arms or anything like you know like it like it was choking you i know that it had a shape of like what would be a head and this is something that i've seen many times before so i was familiar with it and it could be something that i brought with me like you said we have a way of having things attached to us and when i was you know in the military and even growing up you know we've seen weird shit particularly these things called shadow people but this thing was hunched over you and i can tell that you were struggling in your sleep but just seeing it as soon as, because the thing is, like, I I went into the bathroom, and your bathroom had one of the lights where you have to 
pull on the string <laughs> to turn the, it was a small little ass bathroom you remember that you had to pull on the fucking string like something out of fucking um norman bates hotel you know pull the string to turn the light on new york is old man right it's an old place it's an old place there's a there's uh, a person that you and i know an acquaintance of ours uh that used to go to new york a lot he wound up living in Philly, but he made a comment that was very profound to me. And he told me, New York is a very haunted place. And I was like, what do you mean haunted place? And and, and he's like, yeah, you know, with the history and all the deaths, he's like, there's a lot of deaths in New York. You know, slave trade, you know, people uh, uprooting from other countries to, to, to live a better life. He's like, there was a lot of corruption. Yeah, Shanghai. Remember, they were bought underground and sold off on ships. Yes. Yeah. So he said, you know, he he made that comment, and and it, it stuck with me. So um, so like I so when I went into the bathroom and I turned on that light, that light was didn't have a cover. It was just a bulb. So that shit's bright as hell. So, <laughs> so once I'm walking, about to walk out and about to turn the light off, I see this thing over you, but it took me a second because I'm thinking that it's the light fucking with me until I, I get my vision cleared a little bit and I realize, okay, there's a dark mass hunched over you. And then I see you struggling in your sleep. And that's when it's just like, I started to yell to get you to get up. And then that's when, you know, it, it just like stood up. It was hunched over you. It just stood up straight. And then it just kind of just faded. It just like faded out of existence. Yeah. I got clarity on that thing. Um, years later. Go ahead. Spit. So, um, I got into jujitsu later on, and I lost a tremendous amount of weight. So, you know, I'm a young guy at this point. I'm 27. I'm single. Got the world by the sack, right? Prime. <laughs> and I'm walking in with my boy Francisco, who has my same last name. We used to call it the Pacheco Brothers. So he lived over on Webster and two hundred fifth and Webster in that area, and we're walking in with eating our little coco, lean bed, and all that stuff. Hmm. And there's a santera. And um, santera's a, a witch, Spanish witch. She's wearing all white. And she grabs my arm and starts reading my life. And I don't, And when I say this, I'm not talking about John Edwards, like, oh, there's an M for Mary in here. <laughs> I, I see it. No, she was telling me. It wasn't question. The father died when you were young. You're going to have a great second half of your life financially, which I'm waiting for. Um, <laughs> and then she said, it follows you. You need to be careful. It follows you. It's blacker than the darkness of dark. It follows you. So I had seen this thing a few times. And this was not like the lady. This was not an outline. This was just straight, dark, where, um, interesting, another story that ties into this um lived in went to jersey one year my father was still alive we were young and this is when he told me that he was going to pass he, he had, my dad had a terminal illness and i remember going to sleep and waking up and seeing this dark mass in the corner of the room materializing getting bigger and bigger and bigger and it became this really tall thing that was hunched over on the ceiling like this and it had long tendrils and it was darker than dark. And this is what I saw. And it went to me. And what happens? Like I told you when I was a kid, blackout. Woke up the next morning. 
So whatever this thing is, apparent according to this lady, that follows me around. And it could be family, it could be generational. Right. So it sounds like what they say was following Bruce Lee, right? Yeah, could be. Could be. Because then Brandon Lee, you know. Could be. I mean, it's like that movie. But this thing didn't have, you know, war armor on or anything like right, that. Right, 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 right. But, you know, they dramatized that, though, you know. I didn't get into no kung fu fights with it. Right. It looked like, it looked like, it just looked like a dark mask. And I remember there was a show that well, a few years ago was out, and I don't know why they got rid of the show. It was phenomenal. It was called Monsters and Mysteries in America. I don't know if you remember that show. Yes, I ha- I have episodes. I I download episodes. There was an yeah. episode called The Rake. Yeah, and the girl has a tattoo of it. And when I saw that episode, I freaked out. Yeah, brought back memories. Just like you said with the with the book, Communion. I looked at that, and that freaked me out. I grabbed my gun. I was like, because uh, that thing, that freaked me out. That made me grab my pistol. I'm like, I'm, like, I'm sleeping with this on my chest because it just, it was that thing, just seeing the way they recreated that, whoever they got to recreate that has experienced it. Right. Because they, 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 they would, the only way it gets recreated like that is if somebody knows that's what they look like. The fingers, the long finger right. tendrils. Right. Like, going up, like almost like venom. Right. I had that here in this house uh, probably like three years ago during Christmas. It was the room that I'm in right now used to be Julian's room. And now we're in the room. But the door, like the like the outside part of the door is obviously in the living room. And we had bought these um, recliners. And this is around Christmas time. And I'm working for the school system. So I'm off that whole time. So when the school's <laughs> yeah. off, I'm off. And this is late at night and I'm passed out. And for whatever reason, I wake up and it's, let me tell you, dude, does this happen to you? Do you wake up at a certain time almost every, every night? Like for me, it's anywhere between 3.30 and 4.30 AM. It could be a little earlier than that. It could be a little later than that. But for for the most part, it's almost always 3.30 or sometimes 4.30 and shit happens. So I wake up like around 3.30 and I look at the door, the front of the door, because I'm I'm in the living room and there's this black, like it looked like a like spray paint, like somebody spray painted black, like the but it started to move towards the ground and then towards me. And like you said, the 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 tendril, whatever you call them, the what did you call them? The tendrils? Here. Yeah, and then it just I, I guess I, I got scared and then I wasn't scared after a while because I was like, I'm a, okay, I'm going I'm to fight something. I don't know what the fuck I'm fighting, but and then it just disappeared once my fear went away. Fear feeds off the fear. Yeah. And that's the thing that that stuff like that, man, it's just it's it's I've dealt I've, I've, I've experienced more of that than anything else. I've seen spirits. I've seen stuff. I've seen, you know. I have a different system of beliefs. I'm, I'm a, I come at it from a Christian angle. I believe a lot of that stuff's demonic. And that's because I've really delved into, there's a part of Christianity called eschatology that You're a lot of people don't, don't deal with. Eschatology is, um, it talks about God and Lucifer 
God and Satan as a chess match. It's a chess match. It's a cosmic chess match. It's a, and it has to do with genes. It has to do with DNA. And it has to do with just, so, and you know, in the Bible, there's a, it, it talks about the, the fallen angels being sent to earth and they genetically manipulate humans and they genetically manipulate creatures. And a lot of these creatures that people are seeing now, we call it dog man, but it talks about in the Bible. It's a, nephilim. it's a creature that was created by the fallen angels to fight against the armies of God. So we're in the middle of a chess match. We're in the middle of a war. And these creatures are described by Satanists. Um, back in the 90s, there was this uh, series called the Prophecy Club. And it was on um, Fritz Springmeyer's on it. I know you know about him. Um, Tex Mars is on it. They're, you know, they're, they're Christian men. And they preach sermons. And this one Satanist, he stood out to me because he reminded me of us. His name was Stephen Dollins. He had a mullet. <laughs> he had the best mullet ever. And he talks about how he was saved from the dark side. But he talks about conjuring up demons. And one of the demons looked like the wolf man. Right. right. So the stuff that we see, we don't know what it is. But it could be demonic. Mothman could be demonic. And and a lot of, a lot of these um, creatures, they feed off fear, man. I've noticed it. Like it's it's the fear that Mothman fed off of, you know, the fear that that uh, some Sasquatch feed off of. They throw rocks at you or whatever. They induce fear, and once that fear is generated to a certain level, they go away because they fed off of that fear. These shadow beings that we see, they seem to be the same way. They seem to feed off of that fear that we have. So, right. Yeah, you, yeah. you you were talking about like the the Satanist, right? Because there's a guy that uh, interviewed me, and then I wound up interviewing him called Tony Merkel. He's about to drop this story. It's something where he's it's so deep that he doesn't want to drop it in pieces because he he feels like it'll something will get fucked up. He has to get all of the pieces first before he drops the story. But but part of it. Part, he talks about parts of it. One of the things he talks about is he he talked to an individual that went to what they call the mystery schools, which essentially is a cult, witchcraft. Societies. Oh, so and they talk about conjuring or opening up portals and things coming through it like a quote unquote dog man, wolf man. So it's funny that you say that. And then, you know, I've been listening to Tony Merkel talk about this thing. And it's just really weird how all these connections are made i mean damn it's fucking bananas bro well, the, the bible talks about um there's a very famous parable that jesus talks about in the bible where there's a guy named lazarus and then there's a rich guy and the rich guy would pass lazarus up he wouldn't help him out he wouldn't it's a parable it's a story and then they say when lazarus died he was in the bosom of abraham wasn't meaning like here he was abraham was holding him in heaven and the rich guy was in hell and the rich guy was said man i wish lazarus would put his finger in a, a drop of water and put it on my tongue because it's so hot well the part of that scripture that's relevant to this conversation is god said he can't because there's a great chasm 
And there's other parts of the Bible that talk about this great chasm. It's like a hole, another dimension where God put all of these entities in there. Right. Because these entities would destroy us. Well, in the book of Revelation, it talks about that portal opening. Now, your listeners, some of them probably don't know about the CERN machine. I knew you were going to go there. <laughs> go ahead. Right? Go there, man. It was co- they, they collide protons and particles. Well, an, a, a, a very, very famous and brilliant atheist who's no longer with us, Stephen Hawking, talked about when you collide certain particles, you open up portals and strangelets and these little things. Scientists have begun seeing faces in the explosions. Right. So they're trying to open up a portal, is what I'm saying. And there is a religious component to it because if you look at the dedication ceremony to CERN, they dress up in occult outfits. They're dancing around. When it was dedicated, if this was truly just a scientific endeavor, it would have been scientific. Lab coats, whatever. Okay, we're doing science. There's no reason to dance around in in goat horns and, 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 and stuff like that. So there is a component and one of the, the the symbols for the CERN is the the goddess of destruction, Kali. Right. Out they have a statue, right? Outside. Yeah, yep. Statue. Now, when Oppenheimer developed the nuclear uh, weapon that we use, he said he quoted out of uh, a verse of the Bhagavad I think it was called, where yeah, Kali the speaks, yep. and Kali says, "I am become I am I am become destroyer of worlds." And he cried. He cried because he understood that something that he did, it was deeper than what the implications were of that day. So the stuff we're experiencing now, my theory is that people are experiencing, look, we got black-eyed kids, okay? We got UFOs, we got cryptids, we got other stuff happening. We got people creating stuff on the internet and then people seeing it. Thought forms, Tulpa, right? I don't know if you go into Tulpas. Yeah. Thought forms, which is the created with my mind and it manifests, right? So I believe that this CERN is opening these portals and it's creating this stuff, man. So we're in for a ride, man. I know. We're in for a ride. I hope I'm gone. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so let's let's get out of New York, okay? Unless you have anything else you want to add to it, but no, um, no, I mean, of, of, the, of course there'll be more, but uh, right, nah, let's go. There. All right, so so you go from from New York and you meet a lovely lady and you wind up moving to Missouri, and then you become yes. you become a corrections officer. Yes. Why? <laughs> it was a step closer to being an off a police officer, which is. To me, it was a way to serve after 9-11. I wanted to serve something better than me. Um, we had a lot of encounters with officers growing up that were they were assholes. Um, I didn't want to be that. So I said, hey, I could put my own little spin on this, be a different type of dude. And um, I got into corrections. Um, so while in corrections, I have uh, several experiences and you got to understand why, you know, I was, in, I was a corrections officer in a jail. It wasn't a prison. It was a jail. But 
we had somebody who hung themselves before I started working there. And I remember there was a night where it was snowing, so we didn't have as many inmates brought in. We had a few. I would bring them out. They would clean the floor. We would cool. I put music on for them. I try to treat them as human as I can, you know. And it got to the point where if, like, I got into fights with other people on the, on the wing, the inmates would come in and stomp that guy out because they were like, nah, this year, he's cool. He treats us like a human being. You know, I remember one night it was snowing. We did the cleaning. I brought him in. I went back into the control room, and I was watching the camera and around 3.30 in the morning. Something, you know, you see something out of the corner of your eye. I had the, on the wall, there was a, the cameras broken down the grids on a big, giant screen. Something, I'm like, somebody's moving. It's 3 in the morning. Those guys usually knocked out. I keep watching, and I see a shadow walking around. Full body? Shadow in that cell where the person hung themselves. Really? Yeah. Wow. So you could could you see features or was it just like just a shadow? Mass? It was a mass, but shaped. You could see there was a head and shoulders. Right. That's what kind of like what I saw hovering over you. And I've seen many times before like that, you know, walking around like humanoid. So then I went into the cell. Wait, after you saw this, you went in there? Damn, brother. I got you, got you guys. I said, you guys, I got to, I got to sit you. We had a cell in the middle of the floor. It was like a, a cage where we put all the crazy people. I said, I got to move you to here just for now, guys. Just trust me. I got to check something. Oh, you tossing our cell? No, I'm not tossing your cell. I promise you. I just got to check something. I checked in the camera to see if there was a spider or anything. Nothing was there. I checked the corners if there's an insects floating around. No insects, nothing. So whatever this was, was I saw what I saw. Yeah. And that's one event. Um, Go, keep going. <laughs> not too many as a CO. Uh, well, what else? not not paranormal. But what was the craziest thing that you you dealt with corrections? A dude that was he saw demons, and he used fecal matter to defeat the demons. So this lady, I ended up training, and she ended up becoming my supervisor. She was awesome. He put crap in a cup and gave it to her. And he was like, just to keep the demons away. <laughs> so it was all over his cell. And I was like, yep, he's gone. We sent him to the hospital, the crazy house. They're like, we can't handle this guy. He's, he's just, he's, he's, he's off his rocker, man. He lost so do you son. think he was legit or you think he did that? He knew on purpose. He did that on purpose. He was, he had those eyes, bro. Oh, if he, was, if he, if he was, if he was faking it, bro, he needs to be with Denzel. <laughs> in the next training day movie because he was ridiculously good actor. If he, right. was, he, 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 had, he had Charles Manson eyes. Yeah. But wasn't dangerous to us. He was right. more of a danger to himself. Right. He liked us. Right. He was more of a danger to himself. All right. So then you so then you go into to, to law enforcement. But before yeah. um we get into your law enforcement, would you say that um that you were influenced uh, by law by law enforcement um from this individual uh the great uh detective Ramon Figueroa um yeah would you say gra- that- yeah our grandfather yeah um he yeah he was he was a huge uh he was actually one of the best detectives in Puerto Rico um he worked for the Department of Justice so part of part of my passion was fueled by him um 
Another reason I got into a 9-11 and another reason I worked with this girl who was murdered. And I remember that really profoundly affected me. Do you mind talking about that? That like what what the murder, what that thing, the story about that? <laughs> she was almost special needs type girl. She was on that borderline. Very promiscuous girl, a girl who wanted to be loved. Um, normally, I was a dog. I won't lie to you. I would have taken advantage of that. But something in me told me, don't take advantage of that. Just be her friend. So I was her friend. Um, she ended up getting with a guy. And I worked with her aunt. Her aunt worked in the hospital with me, too. Her aunt was a beautiful human being. And um, I remember she got with this guy. And she said she was happy. Well, apparently, a couple of days later, a couple of weeks later, months, it was, it was, there was some passage of time. I talked to the hospital police and they were like, hey, did you hear about that girl that used to work here that got murdered? And I'm not, I'm not putting it together. And they showed me a picture and I lost it. And she was found under, and she was found in bushes in a park. She got stabbed. The guy she was dating didn't want to have kids. She was pregnant. And oh, fuck. Murdered her. Brutally murdered her. Damn. Her name is, uh, I'll just say her first name, her name's Erica. Mm. So, R.I.P. Erica. God damn. Yeah. 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 So that really, that really made me, that's when I started studying. I passed the NYPD exam. And I was going to so, go into law enforcement originally in New York. Right. Oh, so you, you had started training, but you didn't, you didn't complete it. I didn't complete it. No. Okay. No. All right. I got accepted into academy and all that. I was getting ready to go to NYPD. Right. So, in, so in Missouri, so in, so in Missouri, what was the process going through the academy in Missouri to become a cop out there? Times, man. I got injured once. The second time, um, it was a good old boy network. They didn't like me. From I was from New York, and the third time was a charm. I went. To, I picked a different academy. I uh, got my degree, and I did great. And they loved me, and they saw something in me that they saw that factor in me where I'm not going to be your average cop. I know how to talk to people. I know how to deal with people. Um, I've been through stuff, so. I completed that academy. I got in better shape. I was, it was, it was a, a great experience and, well, you know, I won't change that for the world. Right. Did you have any weird, you told me some experiences, but I want to know if you remember them um, as a cop, any weird shit? Oh yeah. So go ahead. My first as a, on a road, on the road, as a road officer, not a corrections. Um, my first few months, I was in field training and shout out to my field training. You know who you are. Um, she's an older woman, like a grandma almost. And I remember thinking, man, this woman can't teach me, but you'd be surprised. So we got a call and um, there were some calls where she was like, you know what? You are going to go to this call. There's something you need to learn on this call. This was one of those calls. Um, we get a 911 hang up with someone whispering, help me. Oh, shit. Okay. So we have me and her going in and we have officers on standby. We go in and I remember going into this house and it was abandoned, bro. You walk in and something I learned from a lot of my Native American friends, always look on the ground. When you go into a place, look on the ground briefly because if, if, if it's an old place and there's dust there, you can see if there's disturbance in that dust. There was no disturbance in the dust. So I'm like, there's nobody here, but we'll, 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 we'll clear the house anyway. 
So we clear, you know, SWAT style. We, we you know, slice the pie, go cut corners. And we, go to, we end up going to the basement. And there's a phone wire hanging off the wall with the two little wires. And I look at her and she goes, somebody hung themselves here. And every so often, we're getting that one with hangups from this. this so, she, so she fucking knew about it and she brought you there to teach you something, huh? Because her and I have we talked about paranormals because I, right. I, I talked to everybody about it. She has she had experiences in her life too, but um, yeah, she's like you need to learn from this. She's like because and we've got we had a few calls from that house, right? So they finally dozed it and built a new one. Yeah. So go ahead, keep 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 them coming. So that was one. Um, I got two more. Another one was, um. You're not supposed to sleep as a cop, but sometimes I know. Night, trust me, you get tired. So trust I, you know, you call you call out to your sector partner, and you're like, "Hey, look, I'm gonna be here. This is where I'm at." So the first town that I worked in had a very, very old slave history. It was an all black city, um, very high crime area. You know, it's on the it's on the uh, it's in the county of St. Louis. So St. Louis, in terms of being the city, is the is the most dangerous city in the country, bar none, period. Worse than the Bronx. So I was uh, falling asleep at the cemetery. And we have radar. Our radar makes noise. So if somebody approaches your car with a vehicle, like your boss, it, it creates a high-pitched noise and it'll wake you up. So, oh, what are you doing? Oh, I'm just finishing reports or whatever. So... I was dozing off, and this is why I don't know if it was what I saw was a sleep thing, but I kept seeing shadows in my rearview mirror, like running around. So I wake up and I put, we have these alley lights that we, we, we press on the, we could turn on a police lights, but then we have these alley lights that are bright. It looks like sunlight at night. So I put that on and, it, and it, the shadows disappear. I turn it off and they're back. And now I'm awake, so I'm seeing something in my rearview mirror. So I take the car and I position it, turn it back around. I put my spotlight on it. They're gone. And then I turn it off. Now they're gone. So I start dozing off again, right? I should have left the damn cemetery, right? right. Staying in there. Stay right in the middle. Start falling off again. Same thing happened twice, man. Then I booked it out of there. So I was like, something's here. Doesn't want me here. I'm out. So you see more than one shadow moving around? Bunch of them. Three or four. Going from like tombstone to tombstone. Right. And what makes my you... the impression I got? There were kids. Right. But what makes you what what, what gave you that feeling that, that that they didn't want you there? I didn't want to take a chance. I got you. I got you. I got you. <laughs> I didn't. They, I didn't get a feeling. I just was like, mm, they're coming, and then when I fly, or they're playing with me, and I'm not in the mood to be played with because I don't know. So I just took my police car and I drove it off the. This you know this this is when I was out of field training. So, right, and then. My my last experience at that particular department was the most disturbing one I had. So we had this. Uh, and again, I'm so I'm struggling not to give names out. I don't want to put names on people, but just give them we had like a lady, initials. Give them initials. Miss P, we'll call her. There you go. Miss P was a Christian. She loved playing gospel music, and and all the to me and all the Christian musics, I think Christian rock is terrible. The gospel music is beautiful, right? Choir, it's, it's gorgeous. So 
she would play it. And I would ask her, I said, Miss P, why, why do you play gospel so loud? I mean, I, I, I love the Lord too, but just, <laughs> it's just a question. Right. And she goes, you're going to see, baby. You're going to see. So one night, I'm on patrol. It's just two of us. We had a man. We had a manpower issue, and it was one of our. It was it was uh, almost winter time in St. Louis, and when, you know St. Louis gets cold, unlike Florida, right? So I came into the station to do my reports because it's better to do your reports on a big computer than it is in your car. It just it just is, <clears throat> and usually when you go on shift. You either have a roll call or you have a pass down. If there's not, if there's not, if a lot of things didn't happen in a day, you're not going to have a roll call. You have a pass down. You guys pass. Okay, we had this. So-and-so started acting up. So-and-so did this. Oh, and we have a prisoner in the back. You need to feed them at blah, 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 blah. Okay, cool. They never passed down if there was anybody. So I remember doing my report and my, the squad room was next to the holding cells. There was a big room and then there were holding cells. And I heard the I heard the uh, the door rattle and I heard yo boom 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 and I'm like nobody told me that we have a prisoner so we had these frozen hamburgers that we feed them right started microwaving the hamburger I go in there I open it up I open the cell nobody there bro I go up to Miss Peoples I go what's going on she goes. Oh, you went in there, huh? You heard it? I said, yes. He goes, now you know why I play my music, baby. Oh, to drown out the guy, <laughs> the, the spirit making that noise. That's smart, man. But, but I mean, I, and I told people that, and they would joke on me, and then they'll be like, right. they'll pull me to the side and be like, oh, for real, man. I, I've heard it too. So it was it was a thing, man, at that, at that particular department. Damn, bro. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, man. And then um, other experiences I've had at other police departments was just talking to some of the guys. They would tell me stories. Right. Um, Anything that stands out that like really. OK, so I, I got one for you. You said that you had worked with somebody that was part of that UFO incident. Over I'm the ready to go into that. Go, go for it, bro. Go for it. Okay. First, explain the first, explain the circumstances, because it's a well-known incident so go ahead and then go into your story please so in the year 2000 but well, let, let me let me break the geography of st louis down for those of you who don't know st louis is the easternmost part of missouri that connect that's only separated from illinois by the by the uh mississippi river so the city of st louis faces the east it's got that arch which represents the gateway which there's a conspiracy theory behind that, and I'll tell you that in a few. But it it faces the east, and it's separated by water. So what you can see from the city of St. Louis, you can see all you can see into Illinois real far in, because Illinois is a flat state. That's why there's a lot of corn grown in Illinois. It's one of the what they call the I states, where this where these crops come from. So. There was a, a, a very famous event that happened in a, in a town called Shiloh, Illinois, which is just over the river from St. Louis. It was a giant triangle craft, triangular or house-shaped craft that floated over the city of Shiloh and Dubo. Those are small towns as you go into Illinois. And apparently this giant craft 
it was caught on dispatch where at first they, the dispatchers were playing with the cops as they often do. Um, they would make twilight no, uh, zone noises and whatnot. And they were saying that this UFO uh, was out there until one of the officers saw it. And then the other officers started seeing it. And they started getting on the radio like, yeah, this thing's real. We're seeing this thing. This thing is, we don't know what the hell this thing is. Okay. It's quiet. It's floating. It's moving real slow. And it's, you, you could land, you could land a lot of our planes that we have in this country on, on this thing. It's, it's got to be miles wide. Okay. So once this happened, the, the, the craft took a, a, a west turn and went over St. Louis and then shot off towards Canada. Right. Almost like the way uh, the Phoenix lights did. So I worked with, I had a captain in one of my departments and a lieutenant. They're both prior military. Uh, the lieutenant was in the Marine Corps. He was an infantry guy. And the captain was a, a naval corpsman who they go out with the Marines and they're like their medics. But he was on a carrier. He was with the Marine Expeditionary Unit, some carriers. So he told like we, we had a conversation. I was like, yeah, I was watching this thing about this UFO. He goes, yeah, I don't know about that. And I was like, what do you know about that? He's like, I saw it. This is my captain. Damn. I'm like, you saw it? like, yeah, I used to work in Illinois, remember? Oh, yeah, you worked in one of those towns, didn't you? Yeah, I did. Um, what do you think it was? He's like, look, I worked on a carrier. I've seen our advanced fighters. I've seen our crappy fighters. He's like, whatever the hell that was, we didn't make it. I said, so what do you think? He's like, whatever the hell that was, didn't come from this planet. So they saw it, and they described it to me as a giant triangle. It had multiple layers. Like, it, was, it, was just, it wasn't just... They saw like the, the, the thickness of the triangle too was thick. And it was just, it was like a slice of pizza floating in the sky. And it just, it made, it made a, a slight hum. And as those of us in the UFO know, know that that's the electrogravitics, right? Um, but that was it. And it shot off just like they described. So, and apparently that's not the only UFO that we've seen. Apparently that area of uh, St. Louis is prone to craft. So it's a hot spot. Somewhat. Yeah. Right. It's not like it's not gonna be like Florida, but it's a hot spot, yeah. Right. So okay, so outside of like law enforcement, living in Missouri, I know you had told me that the house that you and your ex wife were living in had some activity. So can you go into some of those stories? I got one. Um I, I, I trained for the academy. <clears throat> I was running on the treadmill and I like to run with it as high of an incline as you can because that makes you that increases your run time. When you get measured for your physical training, your PT, you get measured on your time for your run, mile and a half, two miles, right? So I remember bringing the elevation down and I felt that chill. I look in front of me, there's a kid that looks like the kid from The Shining. Standing in front of me with the Oshkosh, those little uh, coveralls, and he had a little striped shirt under it. And he smiled at me as a boy and faded out. Jesus Christ. <laughs> I was like, uh, Jen? <laughs> I went to my ex-wife and told her. She was home uh, at the time? Uh, no, when she came home, right. I told her. And she looked at me like I was crazy. But she had had her own experiences growing up in the farm and stuff. So. Right have it like i did, did right did you 
ever hear from uh, Tony, you know, your your son and and Jen about experiences in the house before you got there or while you were there? Did have they? No, but she had her own farm experiences, and you think she got abducted, didn't you? You believe? I tell you what, the way you huh? react to that book, right? If I bought that book in front of her, she would be like, "Get it away from me!" Right. Yeah, I th- I th- I believe I told you this. I believe you and I got abducted. I I I think there is a very strong possibility that something like that could have happened to us because um but her reaction it's very visceral. Right, she doesn't even visceral, like yeah. it's not even fun for her that topic, right? Bro, we were watching uh War of the Worlds. And the, you know the scene where it has those little tendrils and it's looking for people in the houses, right. and she freaked out. She freaked out, and she's like, "It feels predatory. I feel like I'm being hunted. I don't like it." So something resonated, and her dad was a believer as well, right? Because they lived in Alaska, so and you know Alaska's a real oh, yeah. spot. La- Alaska's crazy. I didn't even know. I I forgot that that she lived in Alaska. I wonder, <laughs> man. I wonder if she would be able would be willing to talk well, to me, but she probably would. Probably not. But she's yeah. from uh, she's from a Colorado military. We'll just say that Colorado military base. Yeah, that's where she was born, and I think you know she's had experiences as well. Most of my partners that I've been with have had some kind of um, something, right? You know, something whether it's a spirit or. Some type of experience, but then you meet people that have experienced some stuff, and you have a connection with those people and talk about it. And it's, I don't know about you, but it's weird because I noticed that people that have had experiences like we have, you just start talking about it with them. Yeah, yep, yep, yep. Because after my first incident at Nellis, we were told not to talk about it. And the people that were involved didn't talk about the incident, but whenever I had time and I was partnered up with somebody that wasn't part of that specific incident, they would bring it up and we would get into conversations and I would find things out, you know? And it was like, they knew that they can tell me yeah, or I knew I can tell them things and, and, and it was like no big deal. Now, um, there's something interesting that you had told me, and I don't know if you still follow it up. And you're here now in Florida, so we can maybe you know what I'm talking about. We can dig deeper, and that's this relationship you had with this person that you never met physically, but you feel like you met her and you you might have a child together. So can you go into that? Her and I talked about that. Um, I don't know if she wants me to get into it here. So I kind of don't want. I'm kind of not going to broach that because she's kind of weird about it. I'll talk to her, and maybe another time we can get into it. But I don't want to. I don't want to broach that just right now. I, just because out of out of respect for her. I got um, you. Um, but <clears throat> my first UFO experience was in Kissimmee, Florida. And I had that written down. So that's the municipal airport one? Okay, so get into that. 
first, uh, again, if you could paint the picture where we were living at the time, what was around okay. us. At the time, we lived in a in an apartment complex. That was, it was kind of weird because it was off on its own. So the street we had, there was a bunch of complexes on this side of the highway. Then on this side of the highway, there was a bunch of businesses and we had one apartment complex. And then there was the municipal airport. And I remember that was kind of my place to go to, to decompress. Because I, I always loved airplanes. And I remember... We would there were these benches out there, picnic bench. Yep. And then there was the flight line and the gate and the barbed wire and it said something about do not cross this. And you know, we, we didn't. I respect it, right? But I remember the one time I laid down on that picnic bench, I looked up, I saw a classic silver disc in the sky. And it moved around, and I felt it moved around in those in weird, just those, you know, those weird stop cutting angles. Just was, it was almost like they knew I was watching it. And I felt like a sense come over me, like I shouldn't be seeing this. I shouldn't be witnessing this. Like there was a, there was a disconnect in my mind. Like, what is this thing that I'm seeing? And I, and I had already seen Whitley Schieber books. I had already watched. I think Fire in the Sky had already come out. But it, 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 it just didn't compute, man. And I almost fainted. I almost, you know, blacked out because my brain did not register what I was seeing. And that was my first experience. And then I was like, I don't know. I'm like, we didn't build that. I don't know what the hell that thing is. <laughs> what is that thing? And it was there for a little while. And then it finally shot off. So I got a good, I want to say I got a good minute of mental footage of a silver disc way up in the clouds. At first, I thought it was a bird. And then, you know, as something moves in the sky, it turns from white to silver because I guess the way the sun was hitting it. Right. The reflection. Like, like polished metal. Right. Insane. How, how high do you think it was? Ooh, way up there. Thousands. Really? Like, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Like, like cloud level. Wow. So, so the fact that you were you were able to see the reflection, I mean, must have been big. I think it was big. It looked like from that angle and that distance, sport model, but big one, big sport right. model, not not a little a big craft. And didn't just, you yeah, didn't you have an incident where you actually took a shortcut through the municipal airport and you got chased out? Possible, I don't remember that because we got chased everywhere. So uh, yeah, you did. You're right. We did get chased everywhere. <laughs> but right, man. I remember I that that was an incident that I had with a UFO, and in I had an incident. I think I sent you the video of this. I had an incident with Tony, and it was these two lights, and they seemed to be connected because they were moving at the same speed in the sky. No strobe, just two amber balls of light. And you hear the dog bark. And I remember seeing this a few nights, just seeing this. It was, and it was over the airport. And it almost looked like when planes are coming in, but they're moving in unison, silently. 
Because when planes are coming in, you hear that you hear that jet wash. Right, you you can hear it. I I don't I don't know what it was. I don't you know it could have been a plane, but I, St. Louis has a lot of places to experience stuff too. And you also have a cryptid out there. Yeah, the Missouri the Mo, Momo Missouri monster. They have that. They have. Uh, they're known for Lent Manor, which is like their haunted hotel. They have a haunted hotel you can stay at. I did a ghost tour and uh, yeah, talk about that. Did a ghost tour in historic downtown St. Charles. Um, my ex-wife knew I was into that, so she's like, "I'm buying this for your birthday." And we ended up going on this ghost tour. And I remember being at a building. He's talking, and I stopped. And same way I stopped in that building years ago in the basement. And he goes, you okay? And I said, man, what happened in this building? I feel something. And he's like, yeah, there was a shootout here. And people got hung. And so it was the same thing. Like, I had that that sense. I felt a presence, like a heaviness. And it was it was just an, an intense experience. But it was it was a great thing, man. It was it was that, that you know going on ghost tours are pretty pretty very interesting stuff, man. So if you get a chance to do it, do it. Yeah, we got to do it. You, you know we got invited. I just did an interview with this guy named Stacy Brown Jr. I just put up his interview. You got to listen to that. But he invited us out on a on a Bigfoot hunt, not a hunt per se, but more of like a research research thing. Um. So yeah, I we believe, can do that. I believe I believe in that, man. And this this I mean if you I, I think have you been to the West Coast cuz if you fly to the West Coast, man, you fly over America. There's vast swaths of forest that I don't think any man has ever walked on. So there's like this stuff in the woods. It's just like this if you look at the depths of the ocean, there's stuff in the ocean. There's places we've never walked. We just creatures down there we've never seen. Right. We even know they're alive. So, for me, Bigfoot, as out of all the crazy stuff that I've seen, you know, obviously I've experienced stuff, but definitively, to me, Bigfoot makes the most sense out of everything because it's something that can be can be real. Right. So, as we wrap this up, there's a couple more questions. Um, what's your opinion on the military government coming out? admitting that there's things in our sky what's your opinion NASA on that? put out an article a few years ago and Michio Kaku did he put out they put out two articles one article was that they were observing a star and this star there was a blinking that happened on the star that was not normal and what the hypothesis was is that there was an alien megastructure over the star harnessing its energy now we're talking about michu kaku who is an astrophysicist he's not a coast-to-coast guy which i don't knock those guys they're awesome but he's not a fringe scientist he is a mainstream scientific brain and in my opinion michu kaku he holds a lot of weight okay it's like stanton it's like it's like it's like one of the people that gave the ufo community a lot of weight with Stan Friedman because he's a nuclear physicist. He's not and I love Bob Lazar and I think Bob Lazar I believe in him but you can kind of poke holes in Bob Lazar. You can. If you're a true one of these skeptics that don't, that wants to debunk everything. You can to a degree. You can't with Stan Friedman. He's got credentials. Here you go buddy. I got these degrees. 
this is where I worked. Well, Michi Kaku is the same way. And another article that came out, which is my theory of why Trump created the Space Force, there's an object. It's shaped long. It's shaped long. They know it's shaped long and cylindrical because they bounce radio waves off of it. So it's like cigar-shaped, quote-unquote. Entering our solar system. And it's huge. It's miles and miles and miles and miles long. So something's on its way. Oh, so something... So something's on its way. It's not like Oumuamua where it's going to come by and, and, and disappear. Well, I think we have some things that are here already. And my right. again, my hypothesis is that they're on the dark side of the moon. We were told not to go back to the moon. That's why we didn't go back many times. We were told to stay away from the moon. Uh, there was stuff up there when we went. And Buzz Aldrin, before he punched that guy in the face, <laughs> talked about it. And um, he talked about a monolith on Mars as well. So I think all this stuff together is the reason why they're releasing it, because at some point they're going to have no choice but to, to, to release the fact that there's something here. And I don't know what it is. You know, Are they interdimensional? Are they extraterrestrial from another planet? Are they both? Are they demons? Are they here to fool us? I don't know. I just know whatever it is, it's coming. And they can't, they can't pull the wool over nobody's eye anymore. And, you know, guys like you coming out. Um, um, I remember we had this discussion. I've talked to pilots when I used to work at TSA. Right. I've, I've talked to them. Question with them. They would joke with me, ask me about sports. And I think it was, what's the weirdest thing you've seen up there? And I would say eight out of ten of them had a story. Right. They saw stuff. But they weren't allowed to talk about it, right? They weren't allowed to talk about it. They said, if I talk about this and I come out, I'll be flying a desk next week. And they didn't want to fly a desk. And those of you who know what flying a desk is, yeah. it means your career is done. Right. You're pushing paper. So, yeah, I think it's coming out. And they can't put a, they can't put a, a top on them. And I think Lua Lozando and those guys, I think they're just the, the tip of the iceberg. I think there's more people going to come out. I think it's going to lend more credence to Stephen Greer's disclosure people that that came out years ago, and I think it's just it's just a matter of time before we see something over major cities like V or one of these movies. Right. So. All right, brother. So the the last thing I want to get into, you and I constantly talk about this all the time, and that's the state of the world and what, the direction that is going in. You know, we we. I used to listen to Alex Jones, but I don't like his format anymore. And some of the people that he has take his place when he's not there, I'm not really a fan of. But you did introduce me to him, and it opened up my eyes to a lot of things. And then, like I said, 9-11 happened, and I was told certain things. And so, you know, what's going on, man? Like, <laughs> in your mind, what's going on? Where are we headed, man? Where's humanity going? I, I think it's it's... It's simple, man. It's good versus evil. I think you have one side, and I'm not talking about being intolerant, um, but you got one side that's attempting to confuse people uh, with all this gender stuff and all this. They're trying to confuse people. Um, and you got another side that's trying to control people. And then you got the good, the people that just want to have, you know, provide for their families and live. You got a, a group of people, right? Uh, Illuminati, whatever you want to call them. They want to control every facet of every human being's life. 
and you're seeing the battle. This is the battle that's being waged. You're watching it every day. And you have to ask yourself, um, why am I being offended by everything? Why am I, you know, angry at all the time? That's not the natural state of humanity. We're not supposed to be angry all the time. We're not supposed to be in a state of fear. There's no reason now that the CDC is talking about uh, relaxing the restrictions for the COOF. We'll, we'll use a YouTube-friendly term, the COOF 1-9. Um, they're relaxing the restrictions to where now is no quarantine. Why, why is that? Why now? So these are questions we have to ask. And, um, you know, we have to understand that this is all, it, it kind of all ties in together if you think about it. You know, um, you know, this country, we've, uh, we've had some bad stuff in our past. We've had slavery and all that, but that's no reason to throw the baby out with the bathwater. This still is the best country in the world. I know you've traveled the world. I've traveled the world. Um, I'd rather be here than anywhere else. So, I mean, we need to maintain it and, um, we need to, uh, fight for it and, 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 you know, lo love each other, man, regardless of your political stances. I think we need to be more, uh, friendly with each other. And if it doesn't go your way, one election, it will the other. And let's just, you know, let's put stuff aside and let's, let's just be brothers again. Like, like you and I. <laughs> I love you, brother. Thank love you for you doing too, this. All right. Happy birthday. Yes, thank you. Um, don't when I end this, don't leave. All right. But uh what's what's uh what's next for you? Like what's your what the what does the future hold? You you continue being a cop? I mean, I know there's certain things you can't say, but I mean what what's what's in your future? Um, are we hunting events. are we hunting monsters? Or what are we doing? We gotta become a crypto millionaire and then we can cut monsters. We'll go on a we'll have money to do that and hunt monsters and um and, you know doing my firearms instruction stuff because that's a passion of mine. Um just uh hopefully I get married pretty soon here. And uh I just wanna be I just want peace, man. I want peace for our families. And I want to make it, you know, I want to, I want to set us up financially. And I also want to give back to the poor and, you know, feed people and all that good stuff. That's, you know, build wells in Africa and all that jazz and stuff. And that's, that's really what I want to do, man. Um, what's, what's next for me is getting back in shape and my spiritual alignment correct and just being a better human being than I have in the past. All right, my man. So, uh, Give a shout out to uh, Jasmine for me for letting me borrow you for a couple of hours. And uh, all right, I'll see you tomorrow. <laughs> all right, all right brother. brother. Yeah, my man. Yeah. I love you. Okay. Love you too. Bye.